0: Welcome to SLP Learning Series, a podcast series presented by SpeechTherapyPD.com. The SLP Learning Series explores various topics of speech-language pathology. Each season dives deeper into a topic with a different host and guests who are leaders in the field. Some topics include stuttering, AAC, sports concussion, teletherapy, ethics, and more. Each episode has an accompanying audio course on speechtherapypd.com and is available for 0.1 ASHA CEUs. Now, come along with us as we look closer into the many topics of speech-language pathology. Welcome to Season 6, Ease into AAC As a global leader in assistive communication, Toby Dynavox understands how overwhelming it can be for families, users, and even seasoned clinicians to take on the challenges of identifying and funding an assistive communication device. We are eager to support speech language pathologists and other professionals in assessing and implementing AAC solutions for their clients. Our website, tobydynavox.com, and our free learning hub, learn.tobydynobox.com, are full of therapy materials, classroom resources and curriculum, and hardware and software trainings to help our customers embrace AAC with confidence. Additionally, the Toby Dynabox for Professionals program allows you to register for free versions of our software to use with clients.
1: Welcome to the podcast mini series Ease Into AAC, presented by SpeechTherapyPD.com. Thanks for joining us for our third episode, How to Implement AAC. This audio course is offered for 0.1 ASHA CEUs. I am your host, Kate Thompson, and I am a certified practicing speech pathologist from Australia. I have worked with people who use AAC for the past 10 years, and it's an area of practice that I'm incredibly passionate about and can talk all day about. As the host of this podcast, I receive compensation from Speech Therapy PD, but I have no other financial or non-financial relationships to disclose. Before we get started, I do have a couple of items to mention, and that is that we love and encourage questions from our participants. If you're joining a live episode, you can shoot these through into the chat and I can answer them at any time. If it's not a live episode, like today's episode, feel free to send through any questions or thoughts or opinions or aha moments um, through to me, my email, which is kate, K-A-T-E, at speeche, S-P-E-E-C-H-E-A-S-E, dot net dot A-U. Now, to welcome our awesome guests for today's episode, we have Cherie Brisbane, Hayley Hobson and Krista Vessels, who are all certified practicing speech pathologists that I have the pleasure to work with at SpeechEase. As guests, they receive compensation from Speech Therapy PD and have no other financial or non-financial relationships to disclose either. So Cherie, take us away. Tell us about uh, a bit about you, why you became a speech pathologist and what you love about being a speech
2: pathologist. So hi, my name is Cherie. I'm a speech pathologist certified practicing similar to Kate. Why I became a speechy was really just to help people. That was my passion. I entered speech pathology later in my life. It was my second career and that was my drive was just helping people and really just fell into speech pathology and really, really loved it. So that's found me where I am today. Awesome. And what part of speech pathology do you love working with the most or what fuels you? I am everything. I don't like getting bogged down into one particular area. I mean, Kate, you will love me to say that I really love working with AAC, but I equally love everything that we work in. I'm currently working with some eye gaze clients. So I'm really enjoying that at the moment, but I know that when my next challenge arises, I'll jump into that one and I'll really take pleasure out of getting that done as well.
1: Yeah, awesome. That sounds super exciting. And yes, I would love you to say AAC, but all of it works for me as well.
3: (laughs) How about you, Hayley? Hello, I'm Hayley. I'm a speech pathologist in Australia from Townsville, up in the north part of Queensland. I did a little bit of searching in high school about what I wanted to do. I knew that I had a passion for helping people. So I did a lot of work experience with like nursing, speech pathology, Dietitian, and I was very grateful I did my speech pathology experience in a hospital and I really fell in love with the acute part of speech pathology so swallowing stroke and that kind of followed me all throughout my degree I was very passionate about you know I had a very specific client with apraxia and the frustration that he had from not being able to talk. So, we actually set him up with some ALS boards in the hospital. and He was able to talk, you know, just communicate to the nurse what he needed. So, I think those sort of moments was what made me really cement my love for doing what I do now.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. It's always so nice when you work with a client and you see that it, what you're doing is helping them to communicate and shout to the world who they are. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. And how about you, Krista? How did you get into speech pathology and what is it that you love?
4: Through high school, I've always loved kids. I always knew my passion was working with kids. What sphere that was, I wasn't sure. thought it was being a teacher for a long time. And then my sister is an occupational therapist. So she encouraged me to have a look at the all the different areas of allied health and then I came across speech and I should say in school I really loved English as well and when I came across speech pathology I was like it's communication it's I can work in a hospital it's working with kids I can work in a school if I wanted to because I wanted to be a teacher for a long time and it just kind of was a bit of everything that I was looking for and yeah never looked back at anything else so but in terms of AAC, I love AAC. And I think my love for AAC came from a story that a told me about a student that she was working with who was nonverbal verbal and um, was trying to advocate for AAC. And the family was kind of like, oh, she doesn't need that. We know what she wants when she wants it. That just broke my heart because I was like everyone has so much to contribute to the world and just because they can't speak verbally doesn't take away from what they can give to the world. So I really love that area for, you know, building that capacity and allowing them to have their voice heard and to reach their potential. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a beautiful story and an absolutely incredible reason to get into using AAC and why it's so important that everyone does do AAC as part of their everyday practice, hearing those stories of whether it's a patient in a hospital or a student at school or a little person, being able to share what it is that they think and, and their thoughts and their opinions and ideas and contribute to the world and around them is incredible. Okay. So I'd love to chat about implementing AAC, which is our topic for today. So when you're thinking about implementing AAC with a client, you've had somebody come in that they might be non-speaking or they might have, you know, they might have some challenges when they're using their voice alone to communicate. How do you get started? And we'll start with Shari.
2: I guess it's really just meeting with the client themselves, really having a chat with them and those who are around them and really identifying what are the areas where we can supplement their communication, what are the barriers that we need to work around and sometimes actually working with the family to really address that everybody does actually have something to say and meeting every need and want is not always ideal i've had somebody say to me but they don't need a choice because i meet all of their choices for them it's like yeah but they say they eat that however how do you know that they want that every day have you ever asked them so that's when they sort of have that aha moment going well actually no i haven't i've just met that need with what i thought so really having those conversations and finding those motivations and encouraging them
1: Yeah, yeah. That reminds me of an adult client I worked with when I worked in a previous role. He was non-speaking and didn't have access to any AAC, but every meal he would have potato, and they thought he loved potato um, because he would always eat it, he'd eat it all, and he didn't seem to have any issues with it. Not myself, but one of the the other speech pathologists that I was closely working with at the time, she put in place an eye gaze board, an alphabet eye gaze board, because she figured out that he was actually literate. And one of the first things he said was, no more potato. (laughs) And he actually didn't like potato, but yet that was something that was given to him with every single meal for most of his life. And he was in his 40s when, when we got involved, which is just huge that, you know, A lot of people that do have complex communication needs will just be passive and accept what they're given because they don't have a way to advocate or say otherwise, which is is why it's so important that we get involved. Krista, how about you, where do you get started with AAC?
4: Very similarly to Sheree, I guess, depending on what the client comes in with in that initial appointment, I will kind of gaze where the client is at and ask, you know, they have minimal communication right now. Like, what are your thoughts? Are you happy to supplement that with something like keyword sign or ALS boards to meet that need while we develop? spoken communication skills so I'll kind of gaze where they're at in that initial appointment some of them like yes just give me anything to help them communicate and others are really like oh no I really just want that spoken communication so I kind of know from that conversation where I need to start with the advocacy with the client and then I'll talk a little bit more depending on how that conversation goes if they're very on board I'll start looking at what ALS boards can we implement now to get that ball rolling and i'll just see how the t- child or the person responds to that if they're very much more on the spoken communication side of things i'll be having conversations to them about the differences between language development and speech development and how we can use aac to further the language the expressive language the social communication skills while the speech skills are still developing and that we don't want to be restricting their language because of a speech impairment or speech difficulty. And then I'll try to build their capacity around that and talk to them about, you know, that communication is more than requesting and trying to get them to see that because a lot of our nonverbal communicators are good at requesting. They can point and they can take you to what they want, but then there's a lot of frustration and then it's talking about why is there frustration. It's because they're pointing but their communication isn't specific enough. So, yeah, working around the depending on where the clients are at and their family members are at.
1: Yeah, beautiful. Any other thoughts, Hayley, around getting started with AAC?
4: I feel
3: like I take a slightly different approach. I'm very forward with, you know, the client comes in, Say it's a two year old, then using very limited language, and mum says, You know, I really want them to talk. And I'm like, That's great. Let's start doing early language strategies, getting talking. Maybe we've done like three, four sessions, we're not getting much. And then I start to bring up, Well, you know, actually, we can start to use this as well. This helps for X, Y, and Z. And I do tend to get a lot of buy in that way I don't know if I'm just lucky I don't have a huge AAC client base but I do have a good variety I've got lots of young children and a few adults um, mostly with cerebral palsy so in that sense it is around that like supplementing speech and unintelligibility and again we found like you know they came in they really wanted to work on their speech We did it, but in connected speech it still wasn't enough. So getting some pod books or AAC of sorts was, you know, huge and getting that intelligibility out without them getting frustrated. So I guess I don't want to say I use AAC as a secondary device, but I definitely let them almost come to the conclusion on their own, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So you're using it
1: more to augment the speech that they have to help their message be understood while their speech sound system keeps developing and get stronger?
3: Definitely for my adult population, for the yeah. ones that I currently work with. I think for, like, my paediatrics, when it comes to the AAC and the buy-in or how I get started with it, you know, I just help them realise that we're doing a lot for their language using these strategies but it's what's currently happening is not enough or it's not working maybe let's yeah. try something else rather than let's try this because this will help it's almost like let's show them what it could work maybe if it's not just yet we can bring in something else
1: yeah yeah that makes sense All of you guys have have talked about getting that buy-in from the communication partners or getting on the same page with the communication partners. So what are some of the things that are important with getting on the same page or having that buy-in and and why is that important? Krista, can you tell us some of the things that you really focus on with buy-in and and why?
4: Yeah, sure. So for buy-in, I try to make sure that we're on the same page in terms of that overall goal. What is the overall goal? Is the overall goal just for them to be able to name something? Is it for them to be able to talk verbally? Is it communication? And I try to help them see that bigger picture of communication and the functional impact that has on social skills, on interaction and things like that and my discussions have been a lot around clients having buy-in for AAC but then the type of AAC we use is usually where I try to get the buy-in in in terms of that pod system being used or a more robust system being used because some of my clients are wanting that quick you know picture exchange when it's not really communication. So I think talking to them about what's the long-term goal here, is it just that requesting or is it that communication and those interaction skills and helping them see that requesting isn't a communication interaction. So I find sometimes that's where the barrier lies, not so much into the buy-in for AAC, but when it comes to the littlies who are still developing Um, speech and we don't know what their speech is going to look like and I'm just using AAC as a way to supplement communication skills and reduce that frustration. I'm talking to my clients a lot about how we want them to be able to still develop their play skills and their social communication skills and we don't want them isolated because their speech is a little bit behind. So I try to, yeah, really look at that overall goal and how's the best way that we can meet that overall goal. Not necessarily in the short term, but I think setting that expectation that AAC is a long term goal and it's not going to happen now. There needs to be patience and there needs to be kindness for the communication partners and for ourselves because it is, it's a long process.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So really focusing on that meaningful long term goal, not just that they'll be age appropriate, or they'll be able to request, but what does that actually mean to them? What's the yeah, the function and the, the heartstring goal that helps everybody to stay motivated, given it is such a long, a long process, and then being able to to talk to the fact that it is going to take some time. And these are the strategies we need to put in place to achieve that goal. Yeah, yeah. And so you find by starting with the with that heart string goal, that helps you to be able to leverage your conversations from there.
4: Yeah, I think definitely, especially in terms of choosing the AAC system and moving away from just that picture exchange, because I find when you're looking at picture exchange, it's a, almost an instant, oh, they're progressing because they're giving me a card. But whereas if we're looking at communication as more than requesting and that commenting and giving opinions, that takes a lot more modelling. So it's helping them see past that requesting and what is communication actually.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. And I think for everyone listening along, we in the last podcast talked about when we're setting our goals that we can't really put a word limit on how long somebody has to give an utterance for to respond. When we're using AAC and focusing on communication, because when we think of natural communication, there's more than just a one word response. You know, if you asked me what I did on the weekend, I'm not going to just give you one it. So I'm going to tell you you know, who was there, what I did, where I went, what I thought of it, you know, or how I felt beforehand, like I was feeling exhausted. So I spent a day resting and binge watched Dynasty on Netflix or whatever it might be that I've done. And I give you more information, whereas a picture exchange system limits us quite a lot to one word. And it's not for quite some time before they get to putting combining words together for an opinion or to tell a story it's very much focused on that requesting stage so yeah I think that and we did we have talked previously too about how most people are already getting their needs met and without having to communicate because you're not going to starve or dehydrate somebody just so that they give you a card or well you shouldn't if you are that's
2: not ethical or
1: ideal yeah so that makes that makes a lot of sense how about you, sure you were talking about, you know, that requesting or communication is not just requesting. Are you also talking about those other pragmatic functions?
2: So extending on from Christo when tying it back to those goals and I think that that's the way to actually get that buy-in as well so the families or the communication partners can actually see the reason, like what we need to do and what the steps are to actually achieve that goal. Some of the best sort of incidental buy-ins that I've had is beyond that requesting stage, but it's more so I was working with somebody who was just at that yes-no function and the support workers were, were fantastic and we were really focusing on moving beyond the yes-no to request and deny. We were using it for commenting inputting and whatnot. So I happened to actually be there and I saw this interaction. Something happened and the support worker asked my client, are you tired? You can't be tired. You've just woken up. And then she pretended she was tired. And then the support worker said, are you tricking me? And she looked to say yes. Yes. So, and then it was all a big joke, and everybody laughed, and whatnot. so that was just a really nice moment for everybody because she actually had a comment, and it it had nothing to do with requesting needs once, anything like that. She just wanted to say, "Ha ha, I'm tricking you," and actually be involved in on in on the joke, so that has really managed to get everybody's buy in in that particular case,
1: yeah, yeah. I think there's definitely that personality side of things when you can start to show that these clients that we're working with have these really cheeky personalities or want to tell a joke or or be sarcastic or anything like that. That's a really fun moment for communication partners to see how much more communication is and how they can start to have a relationship or a more meaningful relationship with this person beyond meeting their needs. One of my favorite stories is one of my clients that I was working with. I worked with her over multiple different roles and throughout her life. And she came into my session. We were modeling pod. I was reading her a book and she indicated she had something to say. So she went more to say. And I think, don't like. I was like, oh, here we go. Uh, And she was like, boring, mean, stop it's <laughs> like all right you don't want to do this anymore <laughs> I was like okay let's do something different and she then went to chat stop go away It's <laughs> was like all right you just want to finish I'm just gonna leave now thanks for making me feel really bad but <laughs> loved it and then all of the family to see her being so like advocating for her own wants and and being able to be cheeky i've had another client tell me while i was singing that it was bad don't like bad while i was singing which was (laughs) quite upsetting for me (laughs) but incredible like so good and i love when a client tells me to go away or that they don't like something or to stop like those are my favorite moments because they're they're advocating and they're sharing what it is that their thoughts are that we don't see and so when their parents are like oh i'm so sorry you know well you know they shouldn't don't say that you can't tell miss kate that blah 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 blah. i'm like no tell me tell me to go away i love it
2: (laughs) i'm a a sucker for punishment I actually had a client yesterday I was working with and he was doing so. So we're just, we're modeling pod at the moment, really trying to get him engaged in that. And he dropped something. So he went to pick it up and I asked him if he wanted help and he ignored me and pushed my hand away. So he started doing it. He was doing it really, really slowly. So I thought, oh, I'm going to be cheeky here. So I was, I modeled, hurry up, come on, time count, hurry up. And so he went slower, slower, and then he <laughs> grabbed it and he threw it at me. So Excellent. Yeah, exactly. But even from that point of view, I was able to model that and he responded with his personality as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, that is awesome. It's so fun to see that moment where things switch from I want this, I want that to this, yeah, back and forth fun interaction that you, you don't expect. Haley, you were talking before about when people are using, you know, for your younger kids, they might be still developing their speech sound system. They might need something in the meantime to help them get their message across. Do you find that parents are usually quite on board with that, or have there been times you've had to have some more, I guess, advocacy type conversations?
3: No, I think 100% my clients that, in terms of their speech, like supplementing their speech, yeah, I'm on board with it 100%. And I think positively, in that, he, this client that I'm thinking of in particular had lots of like syntax difficulties as well. So we set him up with a pod book on the iPad and it did wonders for both his speech and his language, actually. Yeah, I don't really have much more to add. I think Krista and Cherie said it perfectly about advocacy.
1: Yeah, yeah, beautiful. And Krista, I know you have worked with a client who is querying a proxy a speech and you have been working with the family to implement a pod on the iPad as well can you tell us about that journey because I know there were some stops and starts in that sort of sort of journey along the way can you tell us what helped you to get on the same page as the family or have the same same have the family join the same page as you
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah so this particular client came in very much she's young she's very young she's about three when she came in and Stanley family came in wanting help with speech specifically but my client was not talking in the sessions at all and I was like I cannot work on speech if she is not talking <laughs> in my sessions <laughs> and I really advocated for having an AAC system in place because I knew they were seeing another speech here, I should say and still are via telehealth who is working on their speech skills, but they wanted to transition away from her and see someone face-to-face. But I was very much on board of getting her up and ready with an AAC system while we're still developing her speech skills, considering her age and the impact her speech was having on her language skills as well. And they wanted to leave at one point in time, but I just had a really big chat to them about, you know, why we're implementing AAC her social communication skills, language being separate to speech in that I'm not going to tell them to stop seeing the other speechy. If that's working for them, they can keep seeing her for the query childhood apraxia of speech whilst I'm working on AAC. And I made it very clear that I'm not disregarding their concerns about speech, and my goal is to eventually work on that in my sessions but I need her to be comfortable to interact with me with no expectation to talk in my sessions using her speech if it's so challenging for her. So we were trialing AAC and the family weren't bored and they're like, okay, we'll keep telehealth speechy for speech and we'll focus just on AAC implementation and language development in my sessions. And we started off with high tech the 15 plus and then very quickly I was like oh she's already putting a few words together when Kate you told me to try the 60 plus vocab with her and she is responding so well to it she can navigate it when I'm modeling on my system she's copying it she's talking a lot more she's feeling a lot more comfortable in my sessions and yeah so that was a really big win And I know they've had some feedback from other health professionals who were really impressed that someone so young can navigate a system so well. So yeah, positives all around for them, I think. So yeah, it was a really nice story getting them on board. And now I had the family, like the dad tell me, you know, she's using a bit of Auslan as well. That, you know, Auslan is great, but there's still that communication barriers because there's so few people and educators who understand Auslan. So it's still limiting her interaction, but they're loving the AAC system because no matter who she's talking to, everyone can understand the speech output of the communication system. So that was really nice.
0: At Toby Dynavox, it is our mission to empower people to do what they once did or never thought possible. As a global leader in assistive communication, we strive to provide innovative solutions, support, and resources to individuals, caregivers, and our professional partners. With a variety of hardware and software for diverse users of all age groups, and with various diagnoses, we are your partner throughout the AAC journey and beyond. Learn more at TobyDynavox.com. And
1: that's a huge turnaround and journey for that family to go through and I remember when mum was looking to discontinue services because she wanted to focus on the speech and you had had a quite meaningful conversation with her about why you were focusing on AAC again and to, to help her understand and she continued and the last time I saw her, which was a month or so ago now, you know, she was asking, how do I individualize this or how can I add a new page? Like She was so on board. She was wanting to add new pages for daycare. I think they had some topics they were working on or something like that and wanted to make sure she had the vocab available in her AAC, which is just a huge turnaround for that family and, and why it's so important that we do have communication partners on board so that we can have these these conversations and these moments and progression and yeah I think it's very cool to hear for that little person
4: yeah definitely for the family to turn around and say you know we want her proficient in her AAC before she starts kindy next year I was like yes we're getting there
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's that's such a win Hales, we had a client that we worked with earlier this year, you and I. He was a young teenager with autism and nonverbal, and he was using a system. I know there were some challenges that we came across with that young teenager who, because he was very scripted, was struggling to use his system out into the world. Can you tell me about what kind of conversations had happened or... Whether anything had happened to help the family get on board with modeling, was modeling happening at home? All of those sorts of things as to why that didn't go so well for him.
3: Yeah. When I took this client on, I knew that he had only had sessions in the clinic or for at least for a very long time. And like you said, he had gone through quite a few therapists just because of circumstance, you know, maternity leave. So he came with a support worker and I thought, this is fantastic. He's got the support to go out in the community or have those opportunities. So we started planning around doing his sessions out in the community. However, we knew it was going to be a bit of a journey because he is so routine and so structured. He was that type of client that knew we're in the green room. The first, We had a visual schedule. of The first thing we're going to do is read a book, you know, sing old McDonald. And we were really working towards helping his flexibility. So I think, like you said, he did know his pod and he could spell. He knew, you know, colours, animals, shapes, lots of those sort of concepts. However, not so much around the feelings and the opinions of I don't want to do this. He, when it came to being frustrated and showing those emotions and saying how he felt, he resorted back to his, like, physical, I guess, Movements, movements, yeah. yeah, and that's what you know. Reregulated him, so we worked a lot around giving those movements the words that he needs and showing him that it's okay. We can be flexible. We still haven't worked out into the community yet, but we're making slow progress. Yeah, and
1: he was like his session structures was so routine based to the point that he'd have. Three books, and he would choose two, and they were always the same two, and they were the same two for years. And if you tried to hide those two so that you could try a different book, it, it was like really upsetting for him. And so, a big thing for him was trying to have that flexibility to be able to add in some new concepts or language or, or thoughts to be able to move him into a, some way to generalize the systems that he, or the patterns that he had learned. But, like you say, I think what's a really important point there is if if you do have clients that you're working with AAC and they're learning the scripts and they're doing it and it looks like, yep, they're doing great in clinic or they're great in these particular situations, but you're hearing from the family or the support workers, they're not actually using the system. It's trying to figure out why that is and, and I think you've spot on their heads around going into the community and helping him see how it's being used there and are his communication partners modeling it for him in the community and at home as well so that they he can see how it gets used and I know he had some stuff happening with mum and dad too they were separating and then you know family situations were going on which made it a bit more challenging as well but it's yeah understanding that whole picture and and looking at those little one percent things that we can do to support our clients because as we've said it's quite a long journey very much so yeah yeah so sure having to think about the AAC journey and you get started with clients and you, you get that buy-in, you have that conversation, which we've talked about is really important. You start implementing, everybody's on board, stuff starts to happen. The progress is really slow. People start to lose motivation and interest in the in modeling and that sort of stuff. How have you kind of overcome that challenge before?
2: Yeah. So I guess I do have this quite a lot because I do work with a lot of non-speaking clients who do have support workers. And the number one thing that comes back from the support workers is it's just too much. They get very, very overwhelmed with just the size of a pod in general. So what I really trying to understand them and understand what their barriers are rather than turning around and, and just being, well, you need to keep doing it and that's it. We need to actually be able to recognise like what the challenges are, so that's where. For example, I only just um, had a conversation with the support worker yesterday, and we're actually going to look at. Uh, we have a client who's actually using a physical pod, and we're going to look at reducing that actually down into the first couple of pages of the, the, those phrases and give them the categories page so they can still continue to model the language within each category. And I, then I said to them, what's going to be music to my ears is when they turn around and say, hey, we need this extra page because it's not there. So that will demonstrate to me, then we're actually going to grow it from there just to get around that perception of it being too big. So yeah. And I've had feedback from the family as well. That's more of a, it just feels like little small bite-sized pieces for them and they feel like they can actually control that and take that on.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. And I have a client story where I was working with a school and the client was using a 60 cell and they were saying it's too visually overwhelming, it's too much, it's too hard can we we've been using it for about six months can we trial something different she's not engaging with it as much they were modeling but yeah for them they were thinking they needed to change it up so I did all the advocacy in the world as to why that wasn't a good idea in the end turned around changed it to a 15 cell board and they the next week I came back and they like, put it back we can't find the vocab we need It takes too long to get to the vocab we need which is exactly what you're saying when you have less access to vocab you can't actually model as much as you want to because you don't have the vocab there and so by agreeing which i did knowing that they were probably going to turn around and be like this is worse put it back but they needed to trial it for themselves and to see how much harder although there's less information on a page it takes a lot longer to find what you're wanting to say so, being able to work with clients and do some of that body-based learning that adults really benefit from as well is was really helpful for them to go through that and see actually, yeah, this isn't working. Hales, I uh, loved the initiation. You have something to say?
3: <laughs> yeah, I was thinking. Of doing. Yeah,
2: <laughs> That's in my pod book. I was just held up <laughs> when you said that. That got me because that was the first thing was I have something to
3: say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so when Sheree was talking about just in general, like the vocab and not having enough, it kind of sparked something in my mind about I have a particular client that has autism and also ADHD and mostly nonverbal. So we have been using the pod book with him, but I was finding and mum was finding in the sessions that he was going too quick for us to. Model that language, you know. Maybe I I scaled it back instead of doing two word phrases, I would just find my one word. But by the time I, you know, navigated there, at times it was already on to the next activity, which we were finding was a huge barrier for, you know, modelling and getting that, you know, communicative intent from him as well, rather than just sort of in his own agenda. If I take it out of Hanen terminology. Yeah. <laughs> So we actually had to revise his whole like AAC system for him and where he was currently at. So instead of using a pod book, we just made ALS boards specific to you know his activities or around the house. And so we had all of the things we wanted to say for that activity or that area of the house all on that one page. So it just sort of enabled us to remove that barrier because we were finding it hard and frustrating and enabled him to then be able to communicate. So I just thought I'd share my own little self-victory there. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. Yeah, like we were just, we were finding it challenging. So, you know, can you imagine how a young child with so much going on was going to communicate as well? So we scaled it all the way back. Hayley, when I'm
2: doing that as well, you've just made me realise actually it is because when we're speaking, when when we're working with, you know, verbal children who uh, might just be delayed speakers or whatnot, we actually scale back what we're modelling mm-hmm. to them verbally anyway, don't we? We don't provide them with the adult adult equivalent. We really look at those keywords anyway. So doing it by, with that, with AAC is not a failing of our own. Yeah. So. Mm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's just important to still have access to a variety of vocab too. So thinking yeah. about like the different types of words that the person might need to, uh, to say in that activity or that interaction and, and having some different types of things there. We have the special children's Christmas party coming up and I made a core cool vocab board. Actually, it's not even a core cool vocab board. It's got fringe there too. It's just a vocab board. It's got things like I'm, it, want because they get to choose presents and then things like I like it. I like or don't like, Merry Christmas, some choices, the please and thank you, a variety of different words that they'll need to say when they're choosing what present that they want at the at the party. So thinking about, yeah, if we are limiting the the number of cells on a page, do we still have enough variety there for that person to, to access and learn from and, and build on and expand as well? Yeah. Krista, how about you? What are some of the challenges that you've come across and how have you overcome them?
4: challenges that I've come across is, well a big one for me is support workers <laughs> I find it is quite challenging to get support workers on board sometimes very much because they're focused on you know we have X y and Z to do throughout the day we don't have the time to model communication so I try to really advocate for the client in well if you're not using the system we can't expect them that they're gonna them to learn the system and have functional communication and I talk to them about you know if they're in a supported independent living situation that you know the goal is that independence and that independence can't be fully realized unless they have intentional functional independent effective communication. And I try to scale it back and talk to them about using just those core words. When I make a trial pod book, I also try to think of what are the things that I think will be used most for that client to start off with. And then again, sport workers will come back to me and be like, I try to model this. It's not in there. And I'm like, I've got a page for you. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, start with just focusing on the core words Um, page 1a and 1b of the pod book and then from there sometimes what I'll do is you can say more to say I like this or I don't like this or I think that's but not necessarily follow it through to the other page so you're still communicating that function but there's less flipping through the pages and whatnot so I try to work with the support workers around all right, what are things that you're already doing in the day? How are you already interacting with them? And how can we just add to the communication that you're already using, using the pod book? So that's how I kind of try to work with them. And then I try because often my clients are seeing a lot of different support workers throughout the week and there's not a lot of consistency. So I try to get stakeholders meeting on board and do some general education to get everyone on the same page. For them, I find another barrier is everyone's buy in with AAC and then they don't see progress necessarily as quickly as they would like to see. And then I just try to talk a lot about the family, to the family about, you know, you're doing well. We're looking for baby steps. If today they're looking at the system for two seconds longer than they did yesterday, that's a big step. And just to do a lot of that education around how much spoken communication we hear before we ever expect a child to say a word. And even when they say a word, it's usually not intelligible. And to talk to them about what the equivalent is for AAC. And so they're looking at the system, they might initiate that interaction, it might not be to a specific symbol, but they're trying to communicate. It's like a bit of a babble. They're exploring and that's all part of the process. And I just try to talk to the family sometimes about being kind to themselves. They're modeling it. They're doing their best. Focus on the core words. And then, you know, it's a 12, it might be 12 months, might be 18 months before we ever expect expressive communication, depending on where the client is at with the system. That's usually how I try to work around it.
1: Yeah, and I think you touched on a really good point there around starting with meeting the varied communication requirements for the person. So thinking about those pragmatic functions and the different pragmatic purposes is we can start out general with getting the message across or modelling that these are different messages the person might want to say. And then we can add in specificity later and add in more particular vocab around like, what do you think if like, I think that's, do you think it's great, excellent, funny, terrible, like there's so many opinions that you can give. But to begin with, it might be just modeling, I like it, or I like this, or I like that, or I don't like this. So that it's quite general and it's very core vocab, but without that fringe vocab, you don't get that specificity, but it's a starting point to then add in the specificity later, once. People are using those steps and are comfortable modeling those first few pages. Yeah, awesome. Okay, I am a bit mindful of time. So I would guess love to know when you are thinking about implementing AAC, you've done your assessment, you've got the system that you're wanting to implement. What are the the five key things or three key things that you speak to families about? So... What are those, I guess, key factors that need to be in line once you start to implement something? Krista.
4: So I talked to them about access, is that the client needs to have access to their communication systems at all times, wherever they are, the system needs to be. If they're not in the house, the system's not in the house. If they're going to school, the system's going to school. It needs to stay with them and accessible. It needs to be modelled by communication partners consistently and across all contexts, so not just at home doing a specific activity but in the community when they're out shopping, at school, in lunch breaks, you know, wherever possible. That's like the big goal is that it's being modelled consistently by all communication partners. And then I talk to them about what modelling looks like And I talk to them about it's not being test, like not testing the child or the client not saying, where's this, where's that, and expecting them to respond. But I talk to them about the three ways that I usually model communication. So that's using the pod book or the system to talk about what I'm doing, using the system to put words to what they're doing. And then using the system to interpret their expressive communication, whatever that looks like at the moment. So if they walk over to the fridge, I might say something, oh, I think you're telling me I want something to eat or drink. And then so interpreting their already expressive communication and showing them how they can say that using the system, but really not expecting anything from them at the moment. So if you're modeling something, if you're saying, oh, I think you're telling me you're hungry. What do you want to eat? Not giving them the system and waiting for them to necessarily tell you with the system, but just how are they communicating right now? And, oh, you said I want cookies. I don't know.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, that sounds really good. I was going to ask you you how you model. And so really focusing on those three things, keeping it quite natural, so modeling your own perspective of what you're doing and again if we take from Hayley thinking about Hennen and some of the principles from Hennen which is around being a commentator and just talking all day every day about what it is you're doing what they're doing and adding language to that is really helpful so that's what you're doing there where you're modeling from your perspective what you're thinking and saying and doing and feeling and all of those sorts of things and then from what they might want to be saying from their perspective or what they're from what they're doing. And I really like that you touched on the fact that you because you, you don't know, you're not a mind reader, you don't know what it is that they're exactly going to say that you say, I think you might be trying to say this. So we're, we're letting them know we don't know. Uh, but this is what we're interpreting based on what you've done. And so we're going to model that. And if it's wrong, that's fine, but this is what we've assumed from your behavior. So I really like that you've been really clear with your clients that you don't know and that you're making a wild assumption here based on, well, probably not that wild, an assumption, an educated guess based on what it is that they're they're doing. Yeah. Are there any other
2: factors that you keep in mind, Cherie? I think it's also when we're introducing a system, I think extending on what Krista was saying, no expectations, because families tend to get very, very excited and they they forget all the conversations you've actually had about them, about how it's going. It's a long process and it's delayed. It's going to be yeah, quite a slow process. They see this device and they go, great talk. So really having a chance to actually reestablish those expectations and that no modeling without expectation because we don't want to I really speak to not putting pressure and we don't want them to completely disengage and feel too much pressure to actually communicate with us and then on the flip side I also say to them give the communicator so give the client an opportunity to babble to practice to flick through it and to do whatever it is that they want to do because really when children like when as kids developmentally they're babbling, they're having that opportunity. So why are we not giving these people the opportunity to actually do that as well? And if we are using their system, we're going to do the same thing as well. We're going to be looking for purpose. So that's really them looking and learning their whole new language system.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And practicing it, you know, yeah. if we think about learning a new language for you to be able to get the word right, you've got to practice it and you've got to practice it in different combinations with other words to figure out is that the right combination is that how it's said and does that work and and the only way we learn languages is, is by being exposed and having that opportunity to play and make mistakes and and learn from them and all of those sorts of things. I really like the, the point about not testing and not expecting them to say it. I know a lot of the times when we give somebody a system, one of the first thing their communication partners will do is say, oh, you need to hit say or you need to hit eat before I give you this or you need to say go before we get in the car. And they put all this pressure on the person to actually hit a particular word without them knowing why they're doing it. And so you might get compliance. So the person might actually do what you tell them to do because they know that's what you want. But you're not getting communication there, which is an important difference for people to understand that because they're doing it, doesn't mean it makes sense to them or they're going to use it in the future. So one of the the things I regularly talk about is can do does not equal can use. So just because they can press the button and they can copy you or imitate you when you're modeling doesn't mean they're actually taking that in or going to use it in the future. So instead, having that more natural model is really important. And when they choose to if they choose to they'll learn to that they will come and use the system to say go at a time that's meaningful for them because they've seen go be used in multiple different scenarios Haley, any other key factors that you keep in in mind
3: no I think like what Krista said you know access model teach don't test was realistically what I encompass when I do AC yeah. Yeah, beautiful. I love that summary. Access what I'll
1: teach, don't test. So that's excellent. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really good. The only thing that I keep in mind too is around core and fringe vocab which we just talked about so making sure that the people have the access to a variety of words there is a big debate in the AAC community about what's better core versus fringe but I think we don't need to pin them up against each other but they need to come together to help communication be independent and specific and meaningful for the person so yeah looking at and then also thinking about the words that you are putting into the system are there some semantically related words or some syntactically related words nearby or easy to access to help build out a more thorough sentence in the future if they need that? So thinking about, you know, what what uh, semantically related verbs go with those particular nouns that you're using uh, or ad- adjectives or adverbs or those sorts of things. So, yeah, I think that is probably the, the main things that I keep in mind as well.
3: I love that. It's like plus one.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, plus <one. laughs> Yeah, plus one. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think actually that takes me to one of my rants that I can get into, which is about teaching more and that we should do more plus because there's so often when we teach more independently, clients learn to use more to say, I want something and they literally do nothing else if they don't want it. They don't say finish. They don't say stop. If I haven't done more, it means I don't want it. And I've had so many clients come up to me who go, more, more, more. And I'm like, more what? Hello, welcome to the session. Like, I don't know what it is you want more of because I have absolutely no context here. So always teaching more with something because more is a modifier. When we think about what type of word is more, it should be one of our words that we're teaching as a second or third word to help make a sentence longer, not a first word. Yeah, so that, that plus one concept is, is really, I really love that idea of, you know, whatever you're teaching, is there a plus one to help extend the, their, their communication and their language system? All right, so let's wrap it up. Is there, I'd love to hear from each of you, any advice for somebody new to working with AAC? You know, is it, is there anything that you would say this is a must do or you know, looking into this particular course or this particular mentoring or anything like that, any advice that you have for somebody new to AAC?
4: I think there's lots of free online resources when it comes to AAC implementation, but if you can get to a pod introductory workshop, that would be amazing. And getting a mentor in AAC to help you along the way is also recommended. I do think sometimes we, in a sense, overcomplicate AAC um, because really all it is is using developmental language stimulation strategies with aided communication on top of. So I think, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but I would have a browse online, talk to other colleagues about their experiences, um, if you can access AAC supervision, do that. But yes,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. I just want to say we talk about Pod a lot. We actually have we have no financial or non financial relationships with Pod. We just really love them <laughs> um, and use them a lot in our in our practice. But the Intro to Pod course. I have always found is so helpful in setting those foundations and understanding of AAC for any AAC. So obviously, you know, they do talk about pod in particular and how to make a pod and what's important and in, in why it's set up the way it is and that sort of stuff, which is, you know, helpful, but it's also those other steps around how you implement, how you write goals, what your assessments are, all of that sort of stuff is is really helpful just generally for AAC implementation regardless of the system that you're using. Hayley?
3: I thought it would be fun and interesting to do a day with my partner only using pod. One for me like that helped me to navigate and actually know where things are because you know there's nothing worse in a session of being like this kid wants to say something but I have no idea where it is. So (laughs) helped me navigate and also realize you know, the complexities and the challenges that we have, like trying to find words. So (laughs) have a day using a book or whatever AAC device you guys want to use. Yeah,
1: yeah. I love that. I think that's such a great way to learn a system. And if if we're expecting our clients to be immersed in the system, then we should really be immersed as well to, to understand how it works and where to find things. And you're not going to learn the system perfectly in one day. There's there's no way. But if, in a day, it should help you to kind of figure out, okay, this is how the system works. And this is where I might find something I want to say next time. And how did your partner go with it, Haley?
3: Well, he def- definitely broke the rules. Yeah. <laughs> I was hitting that no all day. It's like, no talking. <laughs> Love that.
1: <laughs> I had a colleague that was driving from Townsville to Adelaide. So for those Americans, it's like, I don't know, a 24-hour drive, if if not more, probably longer, quite a long way away from each other. And she, the entire time in the car, she just used her um pod app on her ipad to to communicate and he was getting so frustrated (laughs) he's like just talk to me (laughs) because she was you know she was a bit slower and she you know was saying things just for the sake of saying it too and he's like i just really want to listen to music i don't want to be part of this (laughs) while they're doing this long drive but it worked and she felt way more confident in terms of using it in the future as well sheree any
2: tips or tricks i guess don't be too hard on yourself as a therapist because every different system, whether you have three pods that are all tailored for three different people, they are all going to be their own language system in itself. But then we have all of the other systems that we actually do use. So let it be messy, make mistakes. That just shows that we're all human. But I do explain to the families that you know, we're still learning. I'm continually having to switch, code switch between languages when I'm talking to all different clients. So not having too much pressure on yourself to be fluent in one particular area, but yeah. And then that will reduce the client's expectation and it will make it a lot more fun and a lot more fluent to actually have those mistakes happen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's an incredibly important point is that mistakes happen, especially when we're learning. And, and that's okay. And communication is messy. It's hard work. It's, you know, you think you're being really clear. And, and even if you're a speaking person, you think you're being clear and the message is completely interpreted in a way you didn't expect. And so communication is messy. You have breakdowns. And that's going to happen with AAC as well. And that's okay. And it's about uh, learning how to overcome those breakdowns and, you know, repeat your message or change your words or whatever it is that we do when we're speaking to overcome a communication breakdown as well. Thank you so much to Hayley, Krista and Cherie for joining us today. It's been a really fun conversation and it's been so cool to hear your thoughts around implementing and the different things that are important to consider and how to implement AAC. There is no one perfect way, it's it's natural, it's messy, it's got to be fun and that yeah there's but given there's so many different systems out there there's no way you're going to know every single system and it's just about getting to the beginning of it and helping somebody else to learn and then immersing in it and then being the expert in their system is is our role in that AAC process so we're finished up for today. Um, as I said, if you do have any questions, please shoot me through any email. Um, my email, just again, is kate, K A T E, at S P E E C H E A S E dot net dot au. And I'm looking forward to our next episode, which is about back with AAC in the middle, (laughs) Uh, back to school. So I will be chatting with uh, Christy about going back to school and what it's like
0: implementing AAC into the school system. So I'll chat to you then. Have a great day, everyone. Bye. Thank you for joining us for tonight's course. To complete the course, you must log into your account and complete the quiz and the survey. If you have indicated that you're part of the ASHA registry and entered both your ASHA number and a complete mailing address in your account profile prior to the course completion, we will submit earned CEUs to ASHA. Please allow one to two months from the completion date for your CEUs to be reflected on your ASHA transcript. Please note that if this information is missing, we cannot submit to ASHA on your behalf. Thanks again for joining us. We hope to see you next time. Thanks for joining us at SLP Learning Series. Remember to go to speechtherapypd.com to learn more about earning ASHA CEUs. We appreciate your positive reviews and support and would love for you to write a quick review and subscribe. If you like this and want to hear more, we are offering an audio course subscription, special coupon code to listeners of this podcast. Type the word SLP learn for $20 off. With hundreds of audio courses on demand and new courses released weekly, it's only $59 per year with the code. Visit speechtherapypd.com and start earning ASHA CEUs today.